Welcome in. This is the latest edition of the Character Concerns Podcast. My name is Christian Osero, joined as always by my guy, Jay Binkley. This is our first show of 2024. It's a little bit later in the week because the new year, other things going on in our lives. But now, two days after the semifinals for the college football playoff, we're back at it here. Bink, how you doing here? Doing good, man. Doing good. Can't believe we're already almost to the end of the college football season, but it's not bad news. This is draft season as we start now. As soon as the uh, we're done here with the national title game next weekend, we move on to the Senior Bowl and the other uh, East West Shrine game. You name it. Then we get to the combine. Then we get to the draft. So now's where it starts, my friend. And uh, there's a lot that we're going to cover here today. We are going to talk about later on in the show um, the issue with the opt-outs for the bowl games. It's become a big story this year. Um, We saw a ton of players on good teams opt out. Ohio State had a big issue with that. Tons of players opted out for their game against Mizzou. And uh, it really wasn't that good of a game. You also had opt-outs for LSU. Their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, he opted out. And uh, certainly that played uh, played an impact, I think, somewhat in the entertainment value of LSU's game against Wisconsin, even though LSU ended up pulling that one out. Um, surprised there were not opt-outs on the part of Malik Neighbors or Brian Thomas Jr., who actually played in the game. Well, Malik was going for that record. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was. But, yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the show. We'll also talk about whether or not, yeah, what the impact uh, the college football playoff expansion next season will have on the NFL draft. But I want to start with the semifinals for the college football playoff. Um, the first game that was played in the afternoon – was Michigan taking on Alabama, the 1-4 matchup. It was the Rose Bowl. And uh, this was a pretty, I mean, I I thought this was going to be one of those games where it was kind of back and forth defensive battle, kind of like what you would see in the NFL generally. For college, you know, game in the 20s is generally a defensive battle for sure. And uh, this game was not the prettiest one for the prospects that were involved. No, it um, wasn't, but it was going to be a battle of uh, defense. Right. It was how good that defense is and defensive line uh, for Michigan. Going against top talent, I mean, that was the that was the real question about it. Who was going to star in, in this game? And how good is J.J. McCarthy, you know, as far as the quarterback and his evaluation? Right. He was 17 to 27 for 221 and three touchdowns. And Blake Corn, the running back, how was he going to do against the good defense? Remember, Kool-Aid McKinstry was in this game, the top right. cornerback in the draft for Alabama. But Michigan had the number one defense in the country. It's number one points against, number one total defense. So that was the evaluation period, basically, uh, for this game. I felt the more stars of the game, the more stars drafted, especially offense when it came to Kansas City Chiefs, were actually in that Texas-Washington game. Yeah, yes, yeah, especially on the offensive end here. Yeah, you you brought up J.J. McCarthy. Decent numbers. I mean, you know, certainly we've seen him do a lot worse down this stretch. I think it was the Penn State game. He had like 68 passing yards the entire game. Uh, you brought up Blake Corum, 19 carries for 83 yards and a touchdown. His backup, Donovan Edwards, a guy that some people thought would be a better back in the NFL, has not played that well down the stretch. He only had four carries, 11 yards in that game. And he was hurt last year. It kind of came right. out that he had had, you know, was hurt. And, right. But to me, I think Donovan Edwards could be a special NFL player. Yeah, Because like, how tough he is and how good he is catching the ball out of the back. I would not be surprised. If, like, two years down the line, you're like, man, 
Where'd he come from? Yeah, he could, the way he, he, could, runs. he could definitely sneak up on on the on the league for sure, especially based off his production. He's not getting talked about a lot right now. Um, on the the Alabama defense played really well in this game. Um, they they certainly did their job to try and hold Michigan's offense and give their offense a chance to uh, to go out and do things. One of the guys, potential first round pick, Dallas Turner, edge rusher for Alabama. He had a sack in the game. Constant pressure throughout. Um, you're talking about a very good offensive line for Michigan, so that is is very promising on the part of Dallas. Um, yeah, I, this was not, as far as the Chiefs are concerned, probably not a very notable game for them on their part. Um, maybe you look at those running backs and you think maybe Donovan Edwards could be a third-day steal if they want to get some depth in their backfield on the offensive side. But honestly, I don't think this was a big prospect game other than to look for potential defensive players. You look at those those three uh, corners that they have in uh, in Alabama, one of those guys could be playing for the team. Probably not like a – I don't suspect like a Terry and Arnold uh, – Arnold would be one of those guys or anything, but like, or McKinstry for sure. Yeah, the two Definitely. corners. But I could see maybe like a Malachi Moore, especially if the Chiefs decide to kind of go with that – uh, try to bring in a guy who could play another safety role there. He's like Brian Branch. Think yeah, of, he's that star uh, position. He plays that star position. I could see. The, the I could see Malachi. Into, I could see Malachi ended up if he falls like third day. I could see him being an option there, though. I, I think he's probably a second day guy. Um, but the more interesting game, the game that I mean. Oh, by the way, Chris Jenkins got a sack. Yeah, too, Chris but, Jenkins got a sack too. Yeah, which that is a notable. He's the defensive tackle for Michigan. Probably the second best or third best defensive yeah. tackle, depending on. Where you're looking at there, it's kind of him and Leonard Taylor from Miami who are kind of battling it out for the second best uh, defensive tackle in the in the this draft class. So that's that's going to be another option as well. As far as the other game in the semis, Washington taking on Texas. This was the game that had all the prospects. This was the game that everybody was talking about as far as fireworks go. And if you were a Chiefs fan, this was the game you had to watch. Just from a statistical standpoint, let's let's start here with Texas. Quinn Ewers, 24-43, 3-18, a touchdown, a pick, eight carries for 54 yards. So we got to show off his athleticism a little bit. Um, Jatavian Sanders, tight end for Texas, our guy. We've talked about him all year long. He led the team in receiving yards. He had six receptions for 75. Xavier Worthy, two catches, 45 A.D. Mitchell, the guy that I think me and you have been talking about the most as the the most likely guy to go to Kansas City late in the first round, four catches for 32. So not the most impressive day from A.D. Mitchell. Xavier Worthy, all right, couple catches. But Jatavian, six catches in that game. Looks like he might be a high-volume target. Could be really interesting for the Chiefs. And then one, one uh, redeeming value, Xavier Worthy, uh, obviously. the um, Well, a lot of people have him in the first round as a receiver. Late first round. Late first, Late early, first second, early second, somewhere in that range. But he's also a punt returner, too. And I think that's right. what uh, impresses a lot of people about him, the fact that he can do both, like a Keon Coleman type that could do both. But Jatavian Sanders is the second-best tight end to me. Would be the best tight end in the draft if it wasn't for Brock Bowers. But a guy that certainly circled for late in the draft. You're talking pass-catching tight end. Big tight end, but you're talking pass-catching tight end, and this is the role uh, someone like Kansas City would be definitely looking for, uh, maybe for a Kelsey down the line, 6'4", 243. He's got that body type, but he's an excellent, excellent receiver. Um, he's basically his two seasons 
where he's it played at Texas, got 54 for 613, then 45 for 682, seven touchdowns out of the last two years. So that's that's really good production, gets a lot of catches. That's something that a lot of these tight ends at the collegiate level don't do. Not a lot of these guys are getting racking up tons of receptions there. He's basically putting up wide receiver numbers, generally like like decent wide receiver uh, numbers at the collegiate level, and he's a tight end. So that's very promising for him. And certainly that he could he could evolve his game if he were to go to a team like the Chiefs. On the Washington side, you had some really, really good numbers here. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr., quarterback for the Huskies, 29 to 38, 430, and two touchdowns on the night. Dylan Johnson, their starting running back, 21 carries, 49 yards, two touchdowns, plus he also had three catches for 18. The receiving core, top three guys, guys that we've been talking about all year long. Romo Dunze, six catches for 125. Jalen Polk, five catches, 122 yards. He also had a touchdown. Jalen McMillan had five catches for 58 and a touchdown. And then Braylon Trice, an edge rusher for Washington that started out as one of the top edge rushing prospects, started to slide a little bit because he wasn't really super consistent, kind of like Jared Verse. And then he started to pick it up late. He had two sacks in that game uh, against Texas. This Washington team looks so talented. Their offensive line, I think, was voted like best offensive line in college football this year. They have so much talent on that team. And you got to see that showcase there, especially on the offensive side with Michael Penix Jr. I'll say this, man. That might be a game where if, if he follows that up with a great performance next week, we might be talking about Michael Penix Jr. as the number two quarterback in this draft class behind Caleb Williams. You could. I mean, the, guy, the guy's outstanding. And, of course, um, the, that trio of receivers. And Odunze is the guy. I mean, he's if Romo Odunze is a guy that keeps climbing the charts. Yeah. I and mean, we're talking a lot of mocks now, you know, top ten. And then all of a sudden you say, well, would the Chiefs have a shot at Romo Odunze? He's almost getting to Malik Neighbors' status where he's not. Right. Keon Coleman from Florida State, I do believe, a guy they can still get. But Jalen Polk, the guy I've liked all year that came from – Literally nowhere, five for one twenty-two, but a touchdown. He had his inconsistencies there for a little while, but man, is he coming on strong for this team? And could he get himself in the first round? That's the question. Because right now, probably a second rounder right. in Jalen Polk, and the same with Jalen McMillan because of the injuries, didn't have the year that we thought he would have. But still, best trio of wide receivers in the country. But you got one first rounder in Odunze, top ten. But could you have? second and third round with a McMillan or a Polk, would they still be available uh, for teams to grab? I, I think it's very likely that those guys, that Polk and McMillan are there in the second round. I think Polk probably goes somewhere like early to mid-second round. I think McMillan is probably late second, early third. Um, but I will say this, man. Yeah, I think Odunze has definitely worked his way up to where, I mean, that that competition for that number two receiver is going to be really fierce once we get done with these games. And 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 I think Odunze is doing a great job of kind of building up his case to be that number two guy behind Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and I, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I still think Keon Coleman will be the number two guy if he runs a sub-4-4-40. I think that's going to be the thing that, that really push, pushes him above everyone else except for Marvin Harrison Jr. But Odunze... He might be making a good case. If that doesn't happen with Coleman, he might be making a really strong case for him to be taken ahead of neighbors. Oh, Romo Dunes, they, they were being compared. Proofable Network mocked him at fifth, right? Yeah. That's how far 
he's climbing. And I keep hearing different comparisons. You know, the AJ Green, the Keenan, yeah. the, the Keenan Allen. I've heard I've heard AJ Green for Marvin Harrison Jr. Been, as well. Been the latest one for Roman yeah, I think Dunze. I think Keenan Allen might be a little bit better than 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 uh, AJ Green. I've heard AJ Green used for uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and I think that's more applicable than than anything else. And they had Jalen Pohl going at forty seven. Yeah, the same that, that sounds about right. Odunze there. That sounds about right. Um, but I'll say this, man. Michael Penix Jr. has really stepped his game up here. In the, like, he was great during the regular season for a while. Then towards the back end, when they started playing some of the tougher teams, his numbers weren't quite as impressive. You go back to, like, the Washington Washington State game. Wasn't quite as impressive as what he was doing before, but still good numbers. And then you see him in this game, and, yeah, they got, like, a month to prepare. But he went out there, and he was slinging that thing. And I'll tell you this. I, I think there's a very, very good chance that we see Michael Penix Jr., his stock rise to where he jumps Drake May once combine time hits. If he has some really good interviews with teams and you start hearing those murmurs, I wouldn't be shocked if you start seeing some of these mock drafts put him right at number two there. Wouldn't be shocked because like right now I think Washington is, is in the number two spot as far as the draft goes. Wouldn't be shocked if Washington ends up scooping him up. I've always viewed him as a first-round pick, though, you know, you look kind of lately. A lot of people have been kind of, you know, before the, this game, a lot of people were kind of down on him. I think this kind of certifies him as one of those top three quarterbacks in this draft. And uh, I was really, really impressed by what I saw from Penix. Yeah, I mean, just the consistency, the way he moves around the park, but the accuracy. Yeah. It's like the downfield pinpoint accuracy that he has, but just these ridiculous numbers that he's putting up at Washington. And I'm with you. Like Drake May, I really like Drake May. But again, I think there is more talent around Penix, obviously, yeah. than the talent around Drake May. I don't know if that held him back. And I think to myself, all right, what would Drake be doing at Washington? Yeah. Like how good would he be in that system? And I don't know, man. Michael Penix is one of those transfer portal success stories because we saw some of the top quarterbacks in the country Portal guys, Caleb Williams, Portal. You know, Michael Penix, Portal. Um, Bo Nix, Portal. Like a lot of these top quarterbacks, Portal, Portal, Portal guys. Yeah. And, and you know, the interesting thing about, about that situation is, is like it used to be that, like, if you didn't recruit that guy, you were going to have a hard time getting past him. And now you're seeing these five-star – like, like you all you heard was, like, Arch Manning. Arch Manning, he might – like, he was the third-string quarterback this year. And because Texas knows that if, you know, they, they could very well lose Arch Manning to the, uh, to the portal, they basically were like, Arch is our guy next year. And then all of a sudden now you've got, uh, what is it, Malik Murphy, I think is the name of, of the, the backup quarterback for the, for the Longhorns. He's transferring. Now. Yeah, I mean, he hit the portal before the playoffs. Before the playoffs. Because he knew. He knew that he was going to lose his starting job. So it is really interesting out there. And that, that's why, like, the, I think the recruiting classes are starting to become less important because you can always make it up on the back end with the transfer portal. And uh, I, I really think that this is that, that aspect is very much going to affect the competitive, uh, the competitive side of the sport because you're starting to see a lot of shifting as far as who is able to win on the portal and get really good players uh, who are kind of disgruntled or whatever to come play for them. 
Um, one of the big issues, though, that we saw kind of pop up here in the last couple weeks or so was the issue with opt-outs for these bowl games. I'm sure you don't. I, I don't think you have a problem with the opt-outs. I know you've talked about a, a lot about these guys wanting to preserve their draft stock. I've never had an issue with the opt-outs. But you've got guys out here like Lane Kiffin coming out and talking about all the opt-outs happening the transfer portal going on at the same time as the season and whatnot. And personally, I think that the NCAA has to do something about that part because right now, all of this is chaos. Having all of these players moving around, opting out of these bowl games, it takes away the value of the bowl games. These bowl games don't matter if all of these players are just going to leave and go somewhere else and miss the bowl game. It's not very often that you see a guy like Bo Nix, who played in the bowl game for Oregon, even though he's entering the draft. Most of these guys are not going to play in these bowl games because they want to preserve themselves and not hurt their draft stock. How do you think they go about fixing the issue with the opt-outs? Well, it's going to be tough to do. I always thought that, uh, to be honest with you, I thought that the – Nil, name, image, and likeness, and, right. and money and incentive to maybe stay around and see what you can do might actually help some of these guys in the bowl games. What Lane Kiffin was about, he's also you know taking advantage of the portal, is the fact that uh, he brought up a good point. It's like if you have the uh, playoffs in the NFL and you start free agency at the same time, I mean, that's essentially what this is. But, but they're in a catch-22 because you've got to open up the portal because these guys need to be enrolled at the next school for the next semester. So you would say, well, just do it after the bowl game. Well, if you do it after the bowl game, that 30 days is in January now, right, where they would be enrolled and, and go into class at the other school. So you'd have to make the quick decision to jump the portal and then go, or you'd have people making a decision, not telling anybody, and then hopping in the portal, you know, once the season happens. So that's a real problem. Like, this is a real dilemma. Like, it's only open for 45 days. It's open 30 days, like, through December. And then, again, it's getting ready to shut it down here now and then another 15 days in the spring. But it becomes a real problem, and I'm sure that a lot of times – now, what's fun is for now evaluation purpose for NFL teams, bowl games are fun because you get to see guys against stars. I mean, it's like right. a, it's like a mini senior bowl because you get to yeah, see yeah. you know great receivers go against great talent. You know, fortunately, you just have that just during the playoffs, which you will next year a little bit more because you'll have 12 teams that will actually give a crap and they'll be playing you know through the postseason, and that's good. That's good for the NFL to have 12 playoff teams. The more playoff teams, the better. And I'm, I think it's great that they're expanding. They would have to expand after what we just saw. Because Florida State, and I understand their, their complaints, and they wanted to be in the college football playoffs and thought they deserved, but they didn't have their quarterback, right? And Tate Rotomaker was going to be their starter, right? Transfer portal. <laughs> so so they, they had nothing in the – the largest bowl blowout in history was what Georgia did Florida State, which – I think they should refund Capital One and give the fans back their money because they didn't try at all. But that's another story. But that, that used to be the Orange Bowl. That was a big deal. That was good for talent valuation purposes. But you really, and even George and Brock Bowers, remember he didn't make his decision until literally that day. And Amarius Mims, like, they didn't make their decision until that day. They didn't tell anybody. I understand that from a competitive standpoint, you don't tell Florida State what you're doing, who's opting out and who's not. And Georgia did have a few. But the bottom line is you want to see these guys – go and play in the bowl game. Link neighbors, Brian Thomas Jr. obviously gave some nice film work as well. And teams like to see it. You know, I'll never forget, you know, something John Dorsey said when he was GM of the Chiefs. You know, we don't need 
you know, Alabama going against Middle Tennessee State. We like to see, you know, Alabama going against Georgia. You know, we like to see the top talent going against. So I guarantee you when LSU played Bama, guarantee they're going back and watching Malik Neighbors, looking at Brian Thomas Jr., looking back at all these players when you play top competition. So that's a problem, but I do feel that expanding the playoffs starts getting us into that realm of really being able to evaluate, especially NFL talent, as far as, you know, okay, well, how did you, you do after a month off? How did you do take care of your body, and what did you learn from the regular season to what you show in the postseason? I think that will only help the NFL as we're getting ready for the Senior Bowl here next. I think the way that you fix it is by moving the, the, uh, the, ty- the college football playoff to right after the championship weekend. Because here's what happens when you do that. When you do that... You mean like Division Two and FCS? You mean actually play football right after? Yeah, just keep playing football. Like, don't take a month off. Because here's why. When you do that, you can then have the transfer portal start once we get to, like, I don't know, the championship game or whatever. Because then at that point, once we get to the tra- championship game, like, let's say you start... Because what, championship weekend is the first weekend of December. So then... Since it's 12, it'll be, you'll have the, the first round the second weekend of December. And then after that, you'll have the semis the third weekend. And then the championship the fourth weekend. So let's say maybe you can even do it in the semis, like maybe right after signing day. Right after, the, right during the semis, that's when the transfer portal will open and you do it up until mid January. You do that, all of a sudden now, these guys who are going to transfer, they're not going to miss games like that. They're, they're not, you're not going to see as many missed games like that because these guys are like, okay, now it's not going to affect it as much. The problem, though, is there's like a month in between a lot of these games getting played, and these guys are like, well, I mean, at this point now, I might as well just, you know, save myself and go out and do well, my by, by the way, the FCS finals are uh, Sunday. <laughs> right. Because right. the, they, they took a couple weeks break. Yeah, too. they take yeah, they they had a break it set too. up. Uh, but the bottom line is, I I don't see really a ton of value in evaluating talent unless it's the playoffs. Right. Because even, you know, Malik Neighbors and, and Michael Th- and Brian Thomas Jr., okay, you saw him play. They look good, especially Brian Thomas Jr. He was talked about quite a bit, and that's a guy that's really uh, being talked about a lot by the Chiefs fans, you know, watching him play. And yeah. It, it's going to be it's gonna be awesome uh, for these guys. And, you know, I wish you could give them more tangible bowl stuff to watch, but – you really got to go back and uh, hop on YouTube and watch regular season games. They're all on Yeah, there. do it. And another place I found that's a good option if you want to, like, really dig into some of these prospects, there's a there's a, there's a a YouTube channel called Two Minute Drill, and they do, like, quick two-minute uh, breakdowns of every player, basically every player. And it's a great resource. You'll find a lot of names that you probably haven't heard of. They're just starting to get into it for, like, the last, like, two or three weeks now. That's a really good option if you're listening to this. You want to kind of dig deeper into some of these guys you haven't heard of. That's a great way to get started, and then you can go find their games. Um, I, I I do a lot. Like this is right where the time you're going to rewatch a lot of those games you watched back in the fall to get an idea of just how good those guys are. So I mean, if you like a player, seriously, go back and watch uh, if they played Alabama. Yeah, it's Terry and Arnold back there, and in uh, Kool Aid McKinstry, that great secondary that Alabama has. Go back and watch that. Yes. Go back and watch okay, the LSU. You're curious about neighbors and Brian Thomas. Go back to that Alabama game when they played. Yeah. Uh, when they played Texas during the regular season with Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell and Tavian Sanders. Go back and watch that Alabama game 
that they played. But the, the level of competition, if you're playing NFL corners, that does matter. My biggest concern has always been, and again, you don't know how much stock to put into it, two and three wide receivers. Right? Who'd they put their best corner on? Does that mean somebody else is going against somebody that's you know fifth, sixth round, maybe not even drafted corner? What's going to happen? And, yeah, there's a lot of success stories out of it. Obviously, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase played in the same with the same team. They were both on that LSU national title with Joe Burrow. Jefferson was the two. Jamar Chase was the number one. So you have to go back and look at it and say, well, who's the best corner on there? Yes, there are cases where the talent is just that much, that much different, that much special. And just watch, especially if it's receiver, watch how they run their routes. Watch how open they get. Because sometimes you, you see busted coverage a lot. Like, there was a lot of busted coverage against Jalen Hyatt last year. And so, yeah, like, and, and also, yeah, definitely make sure you're paying attention to opponent. Because there were games where, like, I watched with, like, Zay Flowers, and Zay Flowers was just having crazy games against bad teams. So it's like, you know, don't just watch the games where they put up 150 yards on seven catches for two touchdowns. Make sure you're watching those good games, too, because that gives you a good feel. Like, when he went out there and he when Jalen Hyatt torched Alabama, that was a game where it's like, okay, now this guy is someone you should be looking out for. So, yeah, definitely measure him against the good teams. Look at the defensive rankings, things like that. Um, so getting to our final topic here, I want to talk about the expansion of the college football playoff. The last year, this will be with four teams. Next year, it will be with 12 teams. And that is going to make evaluation of these players, I think, a little bit easier. Because when you look at what a lot of these teams are doing, that means that now you're going to have eight more teams whose prospects are going to play longer because now they have a shot at winning a championship in, in, in winning the college football championship, which I think is one of the best. I, to be honest, I've advocated for 16 teams to be uh, the college football playoff slate. Because again, that's four more teams, sixteen oh, out of the top you twenty-five. That's more. That's more of the top twenty-five. But I'm cool with twelve for now. You give the top four teams buys or whatever. But I think at some point this is going to be what they're going to have to do to make this scenario, make the the this bowl system continue to work. And I think it's going to be great for the college football system. It's going to be great for us because we're going to have better teams for these players to be evaluated against. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. But I would say just to, they're going to have to look at it and look at the bowl system. But the thing is, all the, all the sponsors, they're paying all that money. But eventually, they're going to back off. And that's where the, hey, have the Capital Ones of the world jump into the college football playoffs. You know, hey, with more expansion, what's going to happen? When people are going to look at it. Are they going to go to the, you know, the college football expansion? It's just better for everybody. It's better for the viewer. College football playoffs we were treated to this year are just better because it wasn't the 20, 30, 40-point rounds we've seen. In opening rounds, it's better for NFL talent evaluation, getting guys to the next level, figuring out what's going to go on. Are they going to name, image, and likeness? But like Will Howard, he's certain out, out here for Kansas State, and he, he, he can't decide if he's going to go to the NFL, go to Ohio State, who he's going to visit now, and whatever, because they wait for these draft grades. Why is there draft grade? Cam oh, you're talking about Will Howard? Will Howard, yeah. Oh, I thought he was going to USC. Nope. He's not going to USC. Oh, he pulled out of it? Well, USC had a uh, monster quarterback uh, story come in six touchdowns. Yeah, but he hasn't he hasn't decided on there. He went and visited Ohio State. He's talking to them, and he may do that or jump to the NFL. That's the current. Yeah, that's of what Will we Howard. saw for uh, who was Cam Ward. 
Cam Ward. Washington State. Washington State. He, he was going to transfer. He could have got millions, yeah, two million. He could have gone. He's jumping the NFL. Yeah, he could have gone to almost any school, but apparently he got enough of a, a good enough of a draft grade that he decided to go declare for the draft. <laughs> I was surprised by it because I thought Cam was going to go play another year and he could have ended up being in a situation like Michael Penix is where if he goes to the right situation, he could end up being one of the top two or three quarterbacks taken in the draft next year. So I, I was actually very surprised by that. I, I kind of wonder if Talia Tongavailoa is going to do the same thing as well because you've heard his name kind of tossed out there as uh, potentially going into the transfer portal or um, he's or, gone from there now. So yeah, he's, he's, but NFL talk. Or yeah, I mean, he's smaller though. He is yeah, under six he's, foot. Yeah, he's under six foot. But you know, and we've seen that not quite matter quite as much now with Bryce Young going number one overall. But I mean, there's a lot of options there for these quarterbacks there. So uh, certainly, I think the the college football playoff is going to make that situation more interesting because if we do see more of these teams with the top quarterbacks make it in then there's going to be more chance for them to showcase their stuff. And, you know, certainly for especially like a lot of these defensive players, getting to play better wide receivers, getting to play better offensive linemen, uh, that's going to make their evaluation a lot easier. There's going to be a lot of money that could be made there. So college football expansion, college football playoff expansion, I think, is one of the best ideas they've had. To be honest, they should have done this like, what like five six years ago meaningful games meaningful talent evaluation guys figure out but we got to figure out what to do with the transfer portal because you want again when you start expanding the playoffs guess what there's now 24 teams or 12 teams now excuse me 12 12 teams now that are keeping their guys that aren't hitting the transfer right. maybe some are like Malik murphy still did even though he's back of a texas but guys are staying where they're you know situated to and they'll probably jump quicker to the nfl like, because the transfer portal will be closed by then, and they won't have that opportunity, and they'll jump to the NFL unless they make a real quick decision because they're out in the first round or whatever it is. And that's the reason why I think if you move the college football playoff to December, and then towards the end of it, that's when you can start transferring over, uh, and you have a you know about a month after that. I think that's better. Or maybe you could cut it down from being a full month. Maybe you cut it down to like two or three weeks. Uh, I was watching the signing day special back last month, and Tom Luganbill for ESPN was like, cut it down to a week because, you know, usually you know within two or three days what your value is on the portal. Now, two, I think seven days is a little too quick for that. I think minimum two weeks, but, you know, three weeks, I've, I'd be cool with that too. I think you want to give these guys a little bit more time to make because this is a big decision usually, and especially if there's a financial incentive to it. I think you want to make sure that, that these guys are making good well, decisions. Something's got to change because now when you go to 12 teams, right, now you got 12 yeah. teams instead of just four, right? you know, going in. To and, the and at the very end, it'll be 10 teams that will not be able to – you'll have 10 teams that will not be playing in that in that final there, and there's going to be some movement there. There's going to be some players at least. It's got to be quickly. So that's why I think it's just best for you to, to wait until that's done instead of – Nowadays, these teams have to figure out. Usually, these teams are playing with their sec, their backup or third string quarterback. Come bowl time, because guys are transferring. So, so next week we've got the college football final. You've got Michigan taking on uh, Washington. Tons of guys to watch out for in that game. Um, obviously, on the Michigan side, we got JJ McCarthy, who is I mean, somehow still. Some people are 
putting him as a first-round quarterback. I do not think he will go in the first round. I think at best second day. Um, I hope he does go first round. That's what I, I hope so, too, because it would be good for the Chiefs. It would make it easier for them to get the receiver they want. Um, you got the running back tandem in Michigan with Blake Horm and Donovan Edwards. Chris Jenkins, defensive tackle on the defensive side. They got a really good defensive line at Michigan, and they terrorized Jalen Milrow the entire game in that Rose Bowl game. Um, but Chris Jenkins is a guy you want to watch out for. And then on the Washington side, the guys you really want to look out for. Certainly, Michael Penix Jr. is going to be a a big, big name in that first round of the draft. I think he's making himself a lot of money. If we were doing moneymakers this week, he would be my moneymaker. But for receivers, the trio there they have, that they're basically an NFL trio. The joke that's been going around Chiefs Twitter all week, all week since that game, is that the, the Washington Huskies have a better receiving core than the Chiefs do. And they might not be wrong. They might not be wrong about that. But... The guys you want to watch out for are Romo Dunze, top guy there, probably going to be top 10 pick. Jalen Polk, who's probably going to be a second-round pick, and Jalen McMillan, second or third round. It's more in the 30s, McMillan in the 40s. Right. So those are going to be names to look out for there. Uh, if something happens with Odunze and he slips, he would be a great addition for the Chiefs. But regardless, a lot of talent. They're also Braylon Trice, edge rusher for the Washington Huskies. That's going to be a name to watch out for as well. Probably not for the Chiefs. But I'll say this, the more edge rushers that get drafted in the first round, the better, because that also lowers the number for the Chiefs as far as getting the guy that they want. Because I do not think the Chiefs will be in the market for an edge rusher this year. They're going to go defensive line. It's going to be a tackle. Um, So got an interesting matchup going on here next week. Um, I We will be back here next week to hit on that, tack, tackle all of those issues there. Anything, any other stories that are happening in college football and relevant to the draft, we will talk about that as well. One, one thing I do want to give a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to rookie wide receivers. <laughs> yeah. Rasheed Rice. <laughs> yes. All right, you know, Puka has a chance for the Rams to set a reception and a yardage record this weekend. Right. And it's tangible. He's had a hell of a year this year. The number two receiver in yardage, seatbelts, Rasheed Rice. Yep. 938 yards, so he's shy of a 1,000. Better than all of those first-round receivers that were taken it's ahead Sam of Sam LaPorte of the tight end for Detroit. He had uh, 81. My, my guy. He had 81 catches this year. Now, it's, like I said, yardage-wise, Nakua, Rice, and Laporta, and then Zay Flowers. Now, receptions, Puka with 101, Laporta 81, Rasheed Rice 79, Zay Flowers 77, then Jordan Addison. So props to uh, Rasheed Rice, who's number three, as far as rookie pass catchers with uh, yardage, but number two in receivers. So the big question was, how can Brett Beach, because, you know, he's had some receivers that haven't worked out, but how can it work out? Well, he took one, and he took the guy at number two in receptions and number and number three in yardage, number two in receiver yardage. So props to Rasheed Rice. And this is why you wait for your guy. Like, we talked about this so much in the lead-up to the draft last year and during the draft. You get your guy. You don't wait. You don't look at what Mel Kuyper's putting out there. You don't look at what McShay's putting out there. You don't care what any of these, Matt Miller, any of these guys are putting out there. You pick your guy. The Chiefs. Because nobody had Puka. Nobody had Puka. You pick your guy. The Chiefs loved Rashi Rice, and they got him in the second round. They moved up to go get him, and he ended up being the second best receiver this year for rookies. It wasn't a great wide receiver class, but they got one of the and best they, of the bunch. And they got a guy who almost had a 1,000 yards. Set the rookie record for receiving yards in Chiefs history with 
a second-round guy that they that moved up to. Cheese, I do believe, this wide receiver group. Because they, yes. they, they, they knew they weren't yeah. loaded. Yeah, so um, just just heads up on that. Just because you, you, you don't have your guy, just because you're not following the board of, of any of these other guys out there, you're not going after, you know, following what McShay's putting out there, as long as you get your guy, you're good to go. Good to and the go. Chiefs got their guy. You know, think about it. It's funny, like, that night, night one, when we were sitting there, we, we were hearing that Quentin Johnston was a name that they were looking at at wide receiver. Imagine if Quentin Johnson had fell into fallen to them at thirty one. Well, this way you fell, this and way it didn't you, work. This way you had Mahomes work out with yes. them. Which one? Because he did like Rice. He did like, like he lo- Rice was his guy. You out had of credit, the, Mahomes a little bit on that. Yeah, one. you had Quentin Johnston, you had Rashi Rice, you had Zay Flowers, and Johnston was uh, not Johnston, but Rice was his guy. Watch more teams use their quarterback to work out with rookie wide receivers this year. Yeah, I guarantee you it'll Smart happen. It'll happen a lot more. It was a great decision. I expect that Mahomes will probably invite some of those guys over to Camp Pat again. This year, and see if he can get some more continuity, some more chemistry with well, these guys. It, it, this, is why, this is why, Chris, going back to, you know, in the fall, and I kept saying, it kept being met, met with resistance. I said Rasheed Rice has more pressure on him in year one than Sky Moore did. No, 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 I said at some point this year. No, it's you didn't. No, you said this. Rice you said was right the only now. addition. R- R- yeah, because Richie James was technically. Richie, champion, Richie James was too. But Rasheed Rice was the addition, and my my thing was because going into this postseason, Rasheed Rice has a hell of a lot more on his plate. Oh, than right Sky now, Moore yes. ever did. Right now, yes, but yeah. not at the beginning of the season, which is what you said. You you said going into the season. He was going to have more pressure on him. I said at some point. I no, you say like no, right now immediately. No, I said, hey, no, you didn't. It's you true. Said, you said well, you this. know what? I'm going to stand by it because I know I'm right. So You're I'm not gonna, right. You're not right. I am right. He doesn't. He did not have more pressure. But he still does. He's turned out to be the best one. It's more than Sky Moore. He did. He's going to have a thousand yards in January. hundred percent. You did not say that. You said at the beginning of the season this year he's going to have. He has more pressure on him right when now. When we went to then. training camp, I said he's got more pressure to perform than Sky Moore did as a rookie because Juju was here and he. Yes, was here, not. and he was behind him, and was, and Rasheed Rice was going to be asked upon to be a better player than Sky Moore was. It was just going to be asked to be better than Sky Moore. There was, was no; pre- they didn't even play him. They only played him because he ended up and being better it. than those guys. He earned his position, yeah. but they weren't playing him. And if you're, they're not playing you. That means they don't expect much out of you. Well, I expected them to be better than Sky Moore this year. Yeah, I mean, eventually me. we saw his, we saw me. that he was because we saw that very quickly. This guy wasn't ready for that position. I don't know. The sky had a hell of a lot more pressure and that's on the guy. Don't listen to Mel Kiper on too. Oh yeah, this guy Moore was all over. We both thought the sky Moore was. I did. Be I like him. I like him a lot. He turned out to not be good. So you're right. and You're wrong, man. I was wrong. It happens. It all. It, it, it's just part of the game. So. I can't say it's the system or the quarterback. <laughs> oh like, no, it's it's him. It ain't anybody else but him. I so can't, I can't use that excuse. So we'll be back next week. We'll we'll follow up on the uh, college football championship game between Washington <laughs> and Michigan. Any other news that happens, we'll talk about that sure. as well. For Jay Binkley, I'm Chris O'Sara. This is the latest edition of the Character Concerns podcast. Make sure that you download, subscribe, give us five stars on whatever platform you listen to. We appreciate it. We back each and every week, baby. We We're got cranking you, yeah, up now. This is this is it now. This Let's is go. draft season. We'll get hit you guys up next week.